0: Welcome to No Small Talk, the arts and entertainment podcast for the Arkansas Times. I'm Stephanie Smittle and I'm here with Omaya Jones.
1: Today, we'll start by highlighting some arts and entertainment news. We'll also talk about Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, the next film to be screened as part of the Arkansas Times Screening Series, and catch up on some entertainment news and hear a little about Mutants of the Monster, a three-day micro-festival dedicated to heavy music. But first, a few things we think you should know about.
0: First up, there's some new music from an outfit called Billy Rubin and the Elevated Enzymes. Uh, I, I understand that the name behind this is somebody named Bert Lager, uh, who's been in the Little Rock scene for a while. At any rate, Billy Rubin and the Elevated Enzymes have a song called Psychedelic Durag that I haven't been able to get out of my head for a week. So you should check that out, and we'll link to it on this blog uh, on, on the blog that accompanies this podcast. There's also new music from White Mansion, uh, which is a Fayetteville group, and uh, it's called "Everything in This Room Falls." Which maybe because we're screening *Unforgiven* this week, struck me as it mm-hmm. could be just a line out of *Unforgiven*. Oh, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> everybody in this room falls, and then Clint Eastwood says something like, "I only know who's going to be the last one." Um, so check that out too. There's also a new track called uh, "Looking for You" from this mm-hmm. rapper Quarterpiece. Mm-hmm. Do you know her? She's no. a a rapper that's been doing um, hip-hop here in the Little Rock scene for a while. And this video is so cool, you guys. It's, like, uh, so it's a cheating video, like an mm-hmm. infidelity video. But in the video, like, quarter piece is the P.I. And she's, like, a savvy P.I. You know, like, <laughs> she would have, like, a, you know, a smoky room with a, like, a dark smoky room with, like, stacks of papers on her desk. And she, like, kicks her heels up on the desk and she's, like... I'll have your evidence by the end of the week, you know, Ooh. don't worry. I work for women. And, and then the rest of it is sort of like, she's, you know, documenting yep. this affair. It just, it's a lot of fun to watch. So, uh, check out Quarterpiece, And then a couple album release shows coming up. One that we wrote about in the Arkansas times this week from uni, Wah, who does electronic music mm-hmm. and sort of, um, trip hop style, uh, mashups of, of sounds. Um, Really beautiful work. Uh, I heard a song called Rituals from the new album, which is called Dawn of the Black Wings. And you can check out any of Uniwa's uh, thirty-three official albums.
1: Didn't yeah, didn't he just release an album earlier this year?
0: Uh he probably at this rate has released like six albums yeah. this year. It's incredible. He's super prolific. He has more albums out than years he's been alive on Earth.
1: At first I saw him at South on Maine. You know, they do that creator series where they have different people curate a month's sure. worth of shows. And yeah. uh, Spiro had him on one night. I think he, I think he was on with Joshua Sante the, mm-hmm. same, like, the same night. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've been a fan of his ever since then. And I really want to... We should have him on the show.
0: It's funny you should say. We've oh, just really? scheduled Uniwa for June 28th, nice. uh, June 29th. So stay tuned listeners for Uniwa here on No Small Talk. I'm super excited. This has all happened in the last (laughs) couple hours. So he's going to come on and talk about Dawn of the Black Wings. So it's his 33rd album, but he's got, that's like, he's calling it his 33rd official project. So like (laughs) there are all these other albums, um, unofficial projects, I guess, uh, just a huge body of work. Um, And he has got this following overseas, but a lot of people in Little Rock uh, are just sort of, you know, getting mm-hmm. hip to to his work. Um, I remember there was one instance, um, maybe somebody else said this about him, or maybe this was from his perspective, but there was some comparison of him to the Lorax. And I really loved that <laughs> mm-hmm. metaphor because um, as you'll discover when he's on the show, he's very soft-spoken, but then you hear his music and it's just expansive. I, I mean, it, it's a wild... Um, Array, And I I think, you know, it gets lumped in with Mm vaporwave a lot, right? So this copy and paste chopped and screwed thing that people take like pop cultural references and then slow my down, right? Things like that. But what he does is not that. So, so he, he's working with like materials that are a little bit more raw. He's not Mm -hmm. sampling like pieces of songs. He's, he's, you know, he's making electronic music. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and i think maybe because of the way it's you know packaged and the way some of the the art that accompanies it looks uh, a lot of people that are into vaporwave also like him but um you know hopefully he'll talk about that with us and we can talk about sort of some of these misconceptions and and maybe how people like really like to mm, police genre a little bit you Uh, know (laughs) and uh so we're super excited to have him on and his Album release show is this Saturday, June 16th at South on Main. It's at 9 p.m. It'll cost you five bucks. And uh, supporting him on that bill will be the Hip Hop Collective Clubhouse and the venerable guitarist, photographer, loop maker, poet extraordinaire uh, Joshua Asante. Nice. It's going to be a fun show. And that's $5. $5. $5 for is that awesome. Show. That's a pretty
1: good deal. It's
0: awesome. Uh, go see Uniwa um there's also a show that's uh for the album release of a band called p47s uh there's a musician reed mitchell and um several other sort of longtime little rock staples it's called the album is called interceptor and that's also at south on maine catch them june 20th and uh, i believe that's what's that wednesday next wednesday at south on maine should be really cool um I heard Reed at a songwriter circle a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, and his stuff always fascinates me with how eclectic it is. Oh, like yeah. he'll do a song that sounds like Prince in one riff, and then he sounds like James Taylor or somebody. It's, just, it's really, yeah. you know, he's he's very versatile. Um, so check that out, and um, that's really what we've got for new music this week. Awesome. We'll fill fill you in on the blog. You should also know that the Arkansas Jazz Heritage Association, they have in even numbered years, they induct new members to the Arkansas Jazz Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. So, this is an even numbered year, so they'll do that in a ceremony at the Capitol Hotel Ballroom, 8 p.m. Monday, this coming Monday, June 18th. It'll cost you 20 bucks to get in. And uh, so, if you don't know where the Capitol Hotel Ballroom is, like, if you walk through the Capitol Hotel and past the Capitol Hotel Bar and Grill on your right and keep going, like you're going to those fancy, fancy bathrooms, yes. <laughs> uh, the ballrooms back there, and uh, the living honorees include the magnificent Bob Boyd, my personal celebrity crush, Bob Boyd, uh, Brian Brown, Nan Maureen Renaud, and George Ryan. Posthumously honored are Snub Mosley, Henry Shedd, Red Holloway, and... Rosemarie McCoy. The celebration is, um, it, you know, it's part induction and part performance. So they'll have uh, former Jazz Hall of Fame inductee Joe Vic playing with Julia Buckingham, Sim Flora and Brian Withers with some special guests, some of who I understand are also past inductees. Mm-hmm. So Cool. be really fun. Um, check out the Arkansas Jazz scene at arkansas.jazznearyou.com, and you'll also find details for this event there, as you will find those details on the Arkansas Jazz Heritage Foundation's Facebook page.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Pretty sweet. Do you know about this pop-up stiff station?
1: Um, I've heard some things about it. I think I saw the snow, Cajun Snow was posting about it.
0: Okay, Cajun or Snow. Or someone
1: affiliated with Cajun Snow.
0: God, it's really the time for Page <laughs> yeah. and Snow right now. Uh, June 16th through July 7th, the area around Oyster Bar and the Meteor and Pizza D and George Jets, that whole sort of area is going to be transformed. And they're doing what's called a road diet. Mm-hmm. So they've already blocked off. If you've been through there, they've blocked off one lane of Markham near where it intersects with Kavanaugh. And they're going to set up businesses. So. All these uh, great local businesses are going to sort of set up shop there. There's a Stones Throw Brewing, Electric Ghost, Arkansas Yoga Collective, Tea Berry Kombucha Company, hmm. uh, Stiffed Spine Used Books, Crying Weasel Vintage Clothing, and then uh, Control, which is a new and used vinyl store from a couple of super diehard vinyl collectors, Wes Howerton, uh, who's one of the masterminds behind the Nevermind the Morning Show on KDF. Okay and also Michael Schaefer, So a bunch of, um, co- well, a couple of vinyl heads just kind of setting up shop. There's gonna be a pop-up art gallery in the old Beuse Pharmacy space, which is a really cool uh, spot, really cool sign, like an old school Dion sign. And uh, art gallery, I understand the Arkansas Cinema Society is gonna set up an office there temporarily. Oh, cool. So, you know, it was kind of unclear to me when they were talking about what this would be, but basically they just make like, a little um, retail city for a couple weeks.
1: Is this, is it sounds similar? Oh wait, a couple weeks.
0: It's June 16th through July 7th.
1: Wow.
0: So it's going to be there a while. You know, it's not just a one day thing. The idea, I think um, from the way I, what I, what I get from it that I haven't heard directly, but it's sort of the subtext is maybe like, wouldn't it be a great, place to set up business permanently <laughs> down here, right? Because there are a lot of empty storefronts down right. there. And the meteor has done really great things with um, you know, the the bike shop and, mm-hmm. and now the coffee shop. And um I mean, I'll admit my own bias because this is my neighborhood. So I right. really love to have some cool more stuff things down there. Yeah. More things to do. Yeah. So yeah. pop up stiff station it's happening. Uh check out this week's Arkansas Times to-do list for more Juneteenth is this week Mosaic Templars is heading up this huge day-long celebration, it's totally free there's a display in the gallery called Don't Touch My Crown which mm-hmm. is about kind of the history of black hair Oh, um, I think sounds fascinating, so that'll be up and then uh, Shanice is coming to Juneteenth remember the song I Love Your Smile? yeah, yeah. Shanice will be here also Larry Dotson of the Bar K's will be here it's gonna be a cool time, Juneteenth, uh, and then you know you can rely on 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 kind of getting to know a little bit of the history behind that holiday. I got a chance to delve into sort of the, the transition mm-hmm. from it being ma- mainly a music celebration mm-hmm. at the Riverfest amphitheater a few years ago, and then how that transitioned into more of like a um, the being centered around the museum. So that's going on this week. Uh, Also, the Ben Miller Band is here. Always a good time. Bill Frizzell, uh, one of most out there guitarists (laughs) of our generation, is going to be playing in Northwest Arkansas as part of a series uh, around the Walton Arts Center called Artosphere. So check that out. Also, Argenta Art Walk. There's lots in the to-do list. Check that out for more, and we'll be right back.
2: We are here
0: with ct christopher terry who is uh curating shall we say are you curating this micro festival dedicated to heavy music mutants of the monster
2: yeah i like that word
0: okay so tell us about mutants of the monster how'd it come to be
2: um a few years ago we did this at downtown music but it it really wasn't that big uh, i mean had like 100 people a night uh mostly bands
0: yeah
2: um and we did it three years in a row and then downtown music stopped mm-hmm. uh and
1: downtown
2: music. yeah um so uh without a place to really do it i just kind of put it on hold and even more years went by and um um yeah, here we are. It all just kind of started falling into my lap. I'd been helping out with the Liverfest around this year for the past two years. So right around this time bands are starting to hit me up. Yeah. Um but I had one band, uh, Yob in particular, and they're one of my favorite bands. I have a big yob tattoo um Listeners, so,
0: it's a big yob tattoo
2: yes <laughs> um the, uh, when i got when i was reached out to from them about it that's when i decided that i wanted to throw something together curate yeah. something and the only other bands that are touring are there's two sets of bands touring, and that's on Friday and Saturday night. All the other bands are like driving from yeah. their states to play yeah. it. So,
0: so kind of luck then.
2: Well, I mean, all... I had to I had to reach out to everyone yeah. and ask them, and and I was just like, "Hey, I'm doing this." Um, and at first, it was going to be at Whitewater Tavern because. Uh, I guess I didn't realize the, the, just the size of it, you know, yeah. and. Oh, um, you
0: didn't realize that people were going to see like Yob and Full of Hell and Living Sacrifice. And no, Bradley, no, right?
2: exactly. Half of these bands uh, came after the fact. Yeah. And, um, but I was still, I was still safe money wise, I would yeah. say. And uh, as far as I knew, like, well, if I sell it out, I'll make all these numbers and everything will be good. But um, the first two nights, especially, they sold out way fast. Mm -hmm. And it was just a cry out from uh, enough of a number that I knew as a promoter, it would be bigger. Just because I see the people that order these... I see the names that order, you know, the credit cards. And when I'm like, well, there's 30 people that regularly don't come to a show. And yeah. and then there's multiple just people hitting me up from, you know, surrounding states that it just kind of blew my mind.
0: Yeah. So those are at the Rev Room now. And a quick right. sort of rundown. This is a three-day festival. Night one at the Rev Room is full of hell, gate creeper. Terminal Nation and Dead Bird um, Worm and Worm
2: and Reserving Dirt Naps and
0: Reserving Dirt Naps okay Night 2 also at the Rev Room Yob Bell Witch Spokum Yal- Christ's Work how uh, do you say this? Yow Yowcha Yowcha and Christ
2: Worm and Christworm. Worm yeah. okay
0: at the Rev Room and then Night 3 Paul Bearer Living Sacrifice Wake
2: and Minsk at Minsk. Uh, White Water.
0: okay cool and what's sold out? What's not sold out? What can people still go to?
2: Um, Sunday sold out. Okay. Um, I found
0: that out the hard way. Last yeah. Chance Records tried to click that little box. Nope. Yeah, nope.
2: it's even up that you can click it, but it it says no because uh, I was a like, tease. that's what I told someone that it, or today. A group of people that are coming up from New Orleans, and they uh. and I'm like they've already put the post out they're yeah. like if anyone's not going Sunday. Well, so because i think
0: for fans of heavy music like this lineup there are bands on this lineup that people would travel to just see that band and then when you put all of them together in three days it's kind of a mind-blowing thing that you've done
2: here i i would uh i would think so but you know to me even just five years ago doing something like this in little rock i think i would get 50 people to it mm-hmm. you know it's why it's do tough. you think
0: that is what what's why are there more uh i mean fans of heavy music now do
2: you think i think it's just starting to really catch on not just heavy people listen to heavy music um I have uh, not
0: literally heavy people right but, no yeah yeah uh,
2: no heavy okay. like deep people <laughs> <laughs> like fans of heavy metal um, nowadays there are there's a young crowd of kids that literally listen to everything um that uh across the board of different Mm -hmm. kinds of music and when it comes to heavy metal those fans usually listen to the most extreme heavy metal they don't just listen to the middle of the road stuff like if they're gonna listen to a style they you know go there with it and i think it's starting to uh just transcend audiences a little bit like that um I, I, me, though, I, I didn't think it was. Obviously, uh, well, I, I, I did it at Whitewater at first just because I love the Whitewater Tavern. And at first, we, I was like, you know, this would be special if it was just my friends. A yeah. <laughs> hundred and, you know, and so friends. and It's
0: also really thrilling to have that much sound in that small of a room. Right. Because you can feel it.
2: Right. Know? But way before any of this I've never been close minded for it to grow
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, right now there are so many heavy music festivals all over the country and all over the world that it's mind blowing the thousands of people that go to these mm-hmm. and I know from where they've flown Wake Out and we're just here for a day and they've done this and they've got like multiple stages all of these things are in the exact same setup area as like the rev room to stickies to this venue to that venue to ron robinson you know and in my mind it's the exact same setup in my mind little rock is a cheaper town than going somewhere else to a festival you know um our most expensive hotels down there are still cheaper than some of their yeah. regular hotels. Yeah. I mean, in a bigger city in a bigger market, that's just how it is, you know. So,
0: so I'm gonna put you on the spot about um, these lineups, right? So let's say uh, somebody is listening to this podcast and they're completely not into heavy music, right? Like 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 that kind of sound maybe, turns them off at the outset the same way some people are like immediately turned off by opera or some people are immediately turned off by uh, sort of Broadway music, right. right? Um, just a matter of taste. What's the gateway band out of this lineup? Like what would you say if you're not into that, check this band out and you might dig them.
2: I mean, Paul Bear, of course, just because, um, they're very, lots of melody going yeah. on there um uh but they're still their their guitars are really heavy I mean it just goes back to Black Sabbath or something um but I think the average person now could probably get into that more than they would get into Black Sabbath
0: could get into Paul Bearer or, or, if, even or, if they didn't yes. like uh, the stuff maybe on the completely more noise than completely the spectrum
2: or. um yes um i'm trying to think someone else um sumokum i mean to me is i mean i'm thinking of the bands that with the you know obviously the cleaner vocals because a lot of these bands are extreme when it comes to this stuff it's uh uh maybe you know uh i'm stumbling on this this is it's almost like if you don't know then And I would almost be scared to... I'm not trying to push away, you know. But it is what it is. It's underground for a reason, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, uh, A lot of these bands aren't popular on a bigger level. Not everything is for everyone. No, it's not. But I think even if you don't know the way in, I think there's always a way in. Mm -hmm. You just have to have like the right friend know you and be like... You'd like this part of this, right. you know, this eight bars. And, right. well, yeah, no. And then when you get into that, it kind of helps you open your mind to the rest of it. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, now I can see the bigger, bigger picture. Cause I understand that, mm-hmm. you know, that's how, I mean, I, that's how I got into the Beatles. I hated them forever. <laughs> and, and out of spite, like, out yeah, of, just uh, out of like, Ugh, yeah. you know, like, uh, I, and and uh, and if and i had a close friend not take that personal and it yeah. was like you know what you need to see right here don't even mess with this you know you need to see this part and see this part and and they were right when i understood that i i, I started to respect it all you know and and i think that's all it is you with any kind of music um it, it just takes you need that in you know it's uh, no one ever just gets a job a friend gets them a job <laughs> you yeah. know it's so to me it's uh, all the best bands I've ever been in a friend helped this you know help me they were yeah. like you gotta hear these guys and I would like I would hope that I've done that for somebody you know so yeah. well
0: so for fans of uh, Wake you guys are, are it's like the band's coming back together and we're Play this uh, third night.
2: it Has been fun? Yeah, yeah. It's been a lot of fun uh, just having all the guys together. <laughs> yeah. We practiced last weekend all weekend and cooked out and swam in a swimming pool and it was just really neat. <laughs> Even if, I mean, playing will be fun but all of this has been probably a lot funner.
0: Totally. So, tell our listeners where they can find out about uh, Mutants of the Monster and what's the best place to go if all of this totally rings a bell and they're totally into it or now maybe they're turning a corner and just considering it where can people go to find out about more about the lineup and
2: um like i said the the third night is sold out uh but if you know about the whitewater tavern i show up stand in line the the crowd will be fluctuating all night Sure. Like there'll be a bunch of living sacrifice family and friends that probably come and go. You know, this, it'll be it'll be like that. Like with even probably like wake people if our family comes out, right. so the crowd can we may can let more people in. You never know until you get there. The other two nights um, will be at the Rev Room. It's gonna be a party. We've already sold like 200 tickets for each night. There's still plenty of room. But at the same time, we've got a party going on. So, even if you're not into that kind of music and you just have friends out there, I would say come down and hang out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, thank
0: you so much for stopping by No Small Time. Thank you. Telling us about Meets of the Monster. And we'll be right back.
2: Step over to the office and get the bull whip.
0: A whipping? That's all they
2: get after what they've done? Get out of here! It God. was a matter of honor. They're paying a thousand dollars to whatever kills the two boys that cut up Delilah. In a time when lawmen were killers. What are y'all looking at? Are you English Bob outlaws were heroes. Well, I thought that you were dead. Hell, I even thought I was dead. till I found out it was just in Nebraska and a bad reputation you're the one who killed William Harvey and robbed that train over Missouri was as good as gold my guess is you're calling yourself Mr. William Money say what? you don't look no meaner than hell cold blooded damn killer I ain't like that anymore kid
0: so we're screening Unforgiven as part of the Arkansas Times screening series Mm -hmm. and it'll be at Riverdale 10 Cinema this Tuesday night 7 p.m.
1: Tuesday the 19th at 7 p.m. Yes, $9.
0: Unforgiven, made in 1992, Mm -hmm. right? And we're calling this a revisionist Western.
1: Yeah, well, yes. And so that's a term that describes Westerns that don't engage in, or they deconstruct the myth-making of traditional Westerns, right? Mm -hmm. So if you watch a lot of Westerns, there's a lot of glorification of uh, you know American expansion and the conquering of the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They sort of gloss over or glorify violence. Oftentimes, like I was just talking to you before we started recording about uh, watching on TV last night, the Dollar Trilogy was also stores, uh, stars Clint Eastwood and how like so, um, the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly opens with this scene where a man is riding a horse through the desert and is deep into the background and then after a while you hear a gunshot and he falls off the horse and Clint Eastwood has shot him and you know in those movies Clint Eastwood plays a bounty hunter mm-hmm. and so it's sort of this glorification of a particular kind of lifestyle yeah right um and then with the revisionist western oftentimes they're darker they're more deconstructing myths like the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford is a film that sort of looks at the myth of Jesse James that it's built uh, how it's built around and how um that story gets changed uh, throughout time and narrative and Unforgiven does a lot of the same things.
0: But keeping with the the theme that's established in Westerns and now what I associate with action movies, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, the, the, the old, the aging bounty hunter, who's Mm going to come out of retirement for one last job. You know, this is something like that we see now in um, like John Wick and different uh, action films, but maybe it's the reverse so like like the action movie industry took that from westerns maybe
1: maybe um yeah and you know like the, the difference between john wick and unforgiven is that you know john wick is an action movie first mm-hmm. right and so like there's a lot of emphasis on the movements and the choreography or is unforgiven you know is about his character who had a very dark and violent past that over time has become mythologized and glorified. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he meets a woman, he settles down, they have kids, uh, and then he gives up that life. And when she dies, there's nothing that sort of tether him. Mm-hmm. And so when an opportunity presents itself to sort of go back to his violent past, he reluctantly um, engages, uh, I guess, the word, um, and so, like, I mean, you see a lot of, like, there, there are younger characters who talk to him about some of these past deeds that he's done. And mm-hmm. he explains to, like, no, I, actually, I was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And, like, actually, it's really terrible to see somebody die and mm-hmm. to know that you did it. And there's, there's sort of philosophical discussions around uh, death and sort of what you're actually doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then, there, you know, there are all these different characters that sort of also engage in this mythmaking too. There's a writer character who's following around um Gene Hackman's character he plays a sheriff who's uh, he, he's like an outlaw who has reformed himself and become a sheriff of this town and there's this writer who's following him around who he's telling all of these tales of his deeds and mm-hmm. like how you how you're a good gunfighter how you go about becoming a good gunfighter and it's all nonsense that he's just made up to make himself look good yeah uh, and sort of like as this the film goes on you know, you sort of see this this reality
0: mm-hmm. yeah um I came across a really sort of cool synopsis of uh, this unforgiven from the guardian it says unforgiven doesn't have the weight and heft of a gentleman's agreement or the historical value of schindler's list or 12 years a slave it doesn't often even crack the top five on best westerns of all time lists struggling to live up to the praise thrust upon films as the like said the searchers or the wild bunch but eastwood pulled off something people are continuing to struggle with how do you make the Western, and himself, interesting to a contemporary audience? You could go the bone tomahawk route and opt for slasher-style violence, throw big names at the problem, like the Magnificent Seven, which I think this arguably actually does that. <laughs> Side note. Or, amp up the sex and throw in some robots, as on Westworld. But it Unforgiven, Eastwood had a tool that made the, the task much more simple, himself. He didn't even need to shout, either.
1: That's true. Uh- and shouting is not really Clint Eastwood's style, you know. He's known for just being really cool mm-hmm. uh, and calm, and it's like a cliche now: cool, calm, calm, was it? Cool, calm, and collected. Yeah. Um, and of course, yeah, there is star power in this film. There is Clint Eastwood, it's Gene Hackman, it's Morgan Freeman, yeah. um, Richard Harris, okay. uh, oof, the original Dumbledore, among others. Oh, ones. I oh, guess okay. he he yeah. also recorded. I just I just found this out. He recorded. Um, MacArthur Park, the song, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Sir Richard here, I guess he's also, he's also knighted. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's this cast of older actors who are sort of doing this thing where, like, like you said, like doing like one last job sort of thing, but. Um,
0: yeah, but also taking so taking stuff that we took for granted in the traditional Western genre as as being cool, and then. Thinking about it, sort Mm -hmm. of like, you know, the way we glorify rock stars and like people who die young Um, and things like that. And and just sitting on that a little bit mm -hmm. and allowing it to soak in and and asking whether it is, in fact, cool.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a scene that you would never see in another Western where uh, Schofield kid. Schofield. Yeah. He's named himself after his gun. And there's a scene where he, he actually gets his first kill. And, like, the guy is in an outhouse. and he So he sneaks up on this guy in the outhouse mm-hmm. and he shoots him. And it's completely unglorious. And yeah. it's completely unsentimental. No sportsmanship. Right. And then afterwards he cries about it. Like, he realizes, like, what he's done. You know, mm-hmm. And he's a character, like, the first time we see this character, he is sort of bragging about himself and his reputation uh, that he doesn't actually have. Yeah. the glorifying the deeds that they're going out to do go and kill somebody mm-hmm. and um but the reality is just way messier than any of that
0: yeah you know? all of that strikes me as relevant to something that you and I have talked about mm-hmm. which is that you know we have the task of thinking about the choices of the films that we screen and mm-hmm. for this particular film um, a couple of the people involved. I didn't know about Clint Eastwood until right. we talked about this, but Morgan Freeman, of course, has been um, w- among the uh, mostly men that have been uh, involved in like Me Too ish accusations, right? And uh, allegations and um, right. seems pretty substantive, right? So uh, it then asks us well, first, there's sort of like a little bit of Poeticism to the way that relates to a revisionist Western right. at all, right? Because you're taking something like violence, and then you're going like, "Are we really all okay with this? Yeah. You know, like, it, are there really no consequences? Like, um, do we really never uh, see the aftermath? We only see the bounty hunter emerge mm-hmm. glorious, you know, right. always a dude, always very masculine, and um, then secondly, it." it asks us to think about our choices of what we watch and like is it is it is it um are we morally required right do we are we morally bound to consider the implications not only of like uh is is this director a human being who's behaved uh you know reprehensibly um or You know somebody in the cast who has Mm -hmm. in in this case as well and what about all the other people that didn't behave that way yeah (laughs) well
1: that yeah that is something that always comes up um and
0: it's going to come up because the very nature of the me too movement is that this is pervasive Mm -hmm. and and is inescapable not only for the viewer but of course for anybody who was actually impacted and then you know as a viewer seeing that then we have to go. Like, how am I going to deal with right. this? In a parallel way of of asking yourself, like, um, do I want to go get a coffee from Starbucks now, right? Um, or do I want to go to this business that I know has a, a has a history of um, unfair hiring practices?
1: Right, and 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 my own personal philosophy is that you know, the privacy of your own home, you can watch whatever you want. But as a programmer. I don't feel comfortable screening films by like Woody Allen or Roman Polanski. Right. But at some point you have to draw a line. It's like, okay, well, what about Clint Eastwood? Whose thing is that um, after he had a breakup with, uh, I think it was Sandra Locke, who was a director and actor Mm -hmm. in her own right, um, they broke up. And then she filed a suit claiming that he and his uh, friends were um, blocking her career. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they originally settled um, out of court and so it's it's not the same kind of accusations as Morgan Freeman which is about like this production company that he had founded or co-founded and it was harassment of employees and people and like you read about it and it's just just creating like a terrible workplace environment and inappropriate, touching people yeah. against their will uh, but you know there is this whole other cast of, of, of this film and all the films that they're in and the cast and crew and I'm kind of, I feel like I'm kind of rambling, but like, you don't know, like, okay, you can, um, How do
0: we separate it? Yeah. How, How do we, you separate your moral, you know, your moral misgivings about the real person behind the screen from the art that they've
1: made and should and you should separate you? Right. it? Yeah. Should you, and I, and it, it, you also like, don't want to get to this point where you're sort of just like saying like, well, this, this thing that this person did is worse than this thing that this other person. Mm-hmm. Um because it's not Yeah, I don't it's just it's tough to know like where you where you draw the line in terms of like what you're screening, what you're watching, what you're doing. Um like personally, you know, I don't watch um Roseanne. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, right. I I always watch that, but yeah. um
0: it's always harder when it's something that you when that you liked, right? Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> it's a movie you don't care about anyway. I mean for me personally, like uh house of cards <laughs> really ruined for me now, you know, and I uh, really dug it. it
1: was, how do you what? feel? Like, uh, uh, what is your take on, on uh, well, on sort of like, so you say like house of cards is ruined for you. Does that mean you never watch house of cards again or,
0: um, you know, and, and maybe we're getting to something here because, yeah. because I do think that this is, um, an area where there's, there's some ambiguity and there are lots of questions to be asked and like some discussions that we were just really mm-hmm. now just getting the opportunity to have publicly. But for me, I will not watch it. Right. And, and it has to do with the fact that Kevin Spacey was so central to it. So his, so his personality, um, and his character's personality defined, you know, the show, um, and I don't, I don't know that I can ever separate the, you know, parse that out really neatly from, from what, what he's, you know, what he's done. Right. It's just, it's, it's so, that's so difficult for me to know, like, well, how far removed from the center stage would he have to be for me to be okay with it? Right. You know, th- that's a weird question yeah. to negotiate. Yeah, also, if he was a supporting character, like would I just be like, "Oh no, that's fine."
1: Yeah, and also like I don't so it, I don't know how I feel about something like all the money in the world, right? Which is before so the allegations against Kevin Spacey came out, and I get it was one of those things that it seemed like everybody in Hollywood says they knew, you know, like there were these stories that had right. been percolating for right. a while. But so he filmed this movie with really Scott, "All the Money in the World," and then when the allegations broke, they reshot it with a different actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and just cut all the Kevin Spacey scenes. And I guess I feel like if you can do that, great. But I don't know how exactly I feel about that, you know, just removing someone after they've already done the
0: work. Right. And then the other question is, how complicit mm-hmm. was everyone in that? Right. Do Like, how, how do we know? And then as a viewer, am I then... Uh, tasked with researching the history of how complicit each person on the cast was before I can enjoy the film, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, is is ignorance bliss in that case, right? Or is right. it irresponsible? To me, I guess that's the crux of the question, right? Like, um, and we we have, again have to make these choices in other arenas, like the food we eat and and other media that we consume, and uh, it's. It is difficult because it is so pervasive. And if it was if it was uh, not pervasive, then the Me Too movement would not be making history, but it would also uh, be a problem that was a lot yeah. more compartmentalized and not systemic.
1: Yeah, I, I feel the closest that I've come to any sort of conclusion is maybe that after you find out mm-hmm. that somebody is responsible for doing terrible things that's when that person should perhaps no longer get jobs or like you can like if there's if there's, there are other actors out there that you can hire um, there are other movies that you can watch um, like there are other things that you can do but I wouldn't it's
0: well in an ideal world yeah. the people involved with casting and directing are already people who are going to be conscious of these things. But, um, I don't know enough about the inner workings of Hollywood to yeah. know how, uh, how all that works. Like, uh, what are all the moving pieces and who knows what, at what time. Right. right. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's hard. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to stumbling through this cause I don't know exactly I like, am how, too. How, like, what to say or how to address it. I am but, too.
0: It's very yeah. difficult. I mean, I, I feel very strongly in, um, in you know in in the cases that have come out i i feel very strongly that that uh in believing women Mm -hmm. and i i don't think it's an easy thing to come out and say like hey i was assaulted raped uh or you know i was um not after offered work after i was uh, uncooperative but um in cases where in cases where Pieces of art are so collaborative, which is the very nature of filmmaking, right? Like nothing gets to the top in Hollywood. Very few things get to the top in Hollywood that are just, you know, made by one person or right. two or three people. And so by by its very nature, it's involving all of these people. And I don't know all of their histories and I don't know who knew what, when. Right. And it, like who's who was complicit and who was just the person that was on the cast that was like, well, shit, now I'm out of a job. I had no idea about any of this, you know? Now I s- just spent a year on, on this film, you know, and I'm totally screwed. I don't want to be associated with it in any way. Right. And I think the tendency for me as a viewer is to, is to think why in God's name didn't somebody say something? Why yeah. didn't somebody speak up? Because we're, we feel this outrage. And so in retrospect, we then um, can say like, what's going on that everybody, if everybody knew, how did this even, yeah. uh, get the green light. But then the more and more we're uncovering sort of the inner workings of all this, it turns out a lot of people did speak up. Mm-hmm. It's just that we never heard from them because things were settled or things were silenced or they were just never given work again. Right. If I don't know if I, you guys have read about like, if, um, Mira Sorvino, mm-hmm. who, um, is a, is a person who in my eyes, like I'm a nut for this movie, Romeo and Michelle's high school reunion. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just seemed like it's kind of like, well, whatever happened to Mira Sorvino? And there are a lot of actresses, mm-hmm. and I'll say actresses because it is mostly women, who were, um, you know, seemingly just disappeared from the limelight. And now, as we're finding out, those are maybe some of the people that did speak up and right. were, you know, uh, uh, negatively incentivized for that. Like they couldn't get work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right. There's so there's so many. And it, it already seems as though, like, if you just look at the average career span of actresses versus actors, it's mm-hmm. just it's shorter. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, right. So if a and, woman can't get work for 10 years, mm-hmm. that might be like the 10 years in which Hollywood, mm-hmm. you know, finds her acceptable as the love interest and right. is, is OK with casting her that way.
1: I remember there was a chart once that showed that as hollywood actors got older their love interests stayed the same age so you see that like at the beginning of their careers tom cruise was paired with people you know, his same age like early to mid-20s uh-huh. but like he's you know 50 plus years old now and he's still being cast uh, like opposite women who are less than half his age mm-hmm. just that like that's the hollywood system mm-hmm. and that is something that i think well, there's a lot of things that need to change but that's certainly like one
0: Well, right. And it just, again, points to how it's a systemic thing. It's not something that we can just easily parse out. And that's why these conversations are hard. And that's why they, you know, um, I think it just takes guts to muddle through them the best that you can and, and, and speak to them as, you know, um, as earnestly as you can, without having all the information, because you'll never have yeah. all the information. We'll never know who exactly was complicit in, um, you know, this uh, systemic um, treatment of women. Just as you know, we won't know who is complicit in a lot of political corruption, mm-hmm. or you know, a lot of that is hidden from our view. And um, I think. It just takes guts to muddle through these conversations and just they're, they're going to be messy and hopefully they're going to be messy in a way that makes us all um, deconstruct it a uh-huh. little bit, which I, I hope maybe goes back to our original uh-huh. point of like this revisionist Western being sort yes. of in parallel with uh, the idea of asking ourselves these questions about what responsibilities we have mm-hmm. as a viewer and then as a programmer, right? Cause right. we're, we're going to screen this film. Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so if you have thoughts about that, come to the yes. screening and talk about it with us. Um, do you, do
1: you know the plot of unforgiven? Are you familiar with it at all?
0: Um, no, it, w- when I read it, it kind of sort of reminded me of true grit a little bit.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, so like the plot is a group of prostitutes who work in a brothel, so there are these projects working are gonna brothel mm-hmm. one of them has a client and she laughs because he has a small penis and oh. he cuts her face
0: oh okay. and then
1: uh being unsatisfied with the way the sheriff handles it the the women take up a collection to hire some bounty hunters to kill the, the people responsible okay, okay. Um,
0: oh the parallels yeah. <laughs> just keep coming
1: <laughs> um and then like and, and then even that sort of with the idea of myth making like ever, as the as the movie goes on as the story gets told over and over the extent of the harm done to the original woman keeps growing and growing mm-hmm. so it's not just a cut it's like you mm-hmm. like, cut off her you nose know, it's like it just like the, the tail mm. keeps growing in size I see and then there's a, a nice moment where Cleanest was character actually meets the woman who has been um, assaulted and sort of like you see like he, there's like this reality that he learns like you know all the tales that he heard were not necessarily true but Mm -hmm. she was still harmed Um, yeah
0: that just muddies the waters even more right
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: because that then asks us to like ask how that information is filtered to us Mm -hmm. and by the time it gets to us how true is it (laughs) you know Um, it's being presented in a way that's calculated and uh, premeditated Mm -hmm. and you know What do we do with that? We don't know if we can trust the information anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lots of layers to Unforgiven. Catch it this Tuesday, June 19th at 7 p.m. Riverdale Tin Cinema. It'll cost you nine bucks to get in, and um, you could come muddle through these conversations with us. Yes. All right. We'll be right back. This is No Small Talk, and we are back. Uh, we're going to give you some recommendations. Do you have a recommendation I? Uh
1: I do. I have two recommendations. One two? is obvious. Okay. Uh, you should come to the screening Tuesday night, see Unforgiven. We'll have a discussion afterwards, uh, assuming you're there and you want to have a discussion. Uh, but my other is Wednesday, June the 20th uh, at Loblolly there is it's what's called scoops for strays a loblolly fundraiser so uh, there's an organization called listeners
0: um, i know that you can't see this through the podcast <laughs> headphones oh, but think about this omaya is actually wearing a loblolly t-shirt that says magical Unicorn" and it is a unicorn with an ice cream scoop for a head just to paint yes. the picture here. I
1: believe this was an illustration done by Elizabeth Baker. Great. Uh, that Sally then found <laughs> uh, on the premises after she had moved to Colorado. Okay, so,
0: we'll try to put that uh, up yes. on the blog post. With but so,
1: was... <laughs> Scoop First Race is a fundraiser by Rock City Rescue and Blolly. So uh, I'm sure some of the proceeds from ice cream sales will go to Rock City Rescue. Uh, 10% of the proceeds. 10%? Mm-hmm,
0: so. great. My recommendation, coincidentally, is also sort of charitable in nature. So, uh, Bang Up Betty, which is a, a jewelry business, like a local jewelry business, make really cool little. Ah, um, uh, there's like a pendant that says, Smash the Patriarchy, and it comes mm-hmm. with a little hammer and um, just really cool uh, metal pieces with uh, typography sort of hammered into it. There's probably a technical term for this. I don't know what the. That I'm would not be. sure. It's. Um, it's fucking cool is what it is. <laughs> Bang Up Betty. You can go to bangupbetty.com right now and get your um, favorite person a gift for Pride Month. Because she's mm-hmm. making these bracelets, these metal uh, sort of cufflets that say love is queer. And so all 100% of the proceeds from the sale of these love is queer bracelets goes to Lucy's Place. Ooh. So you can get that at bangupbetty.com backslash shop Backslash love is queer bracelet, and we'll link to that on our blog post. I thought that was so cool. 100%. She's giving it all away.
1: Admirable. I love it. To Lucy's place. And do you have a move for the week?
0: I do. We got to this uh, show too late for print, so I'm going to say Friday, June 15th, tonight, you should go to the Whitewater Tavern for uh, a real deal blues show. R.L. Boyce from Como, Mississippi and uh, Lighten and Malcolm are playing there. Uh, I just really can't recommend seeing these guys enough. They've been doing it all their lives and blues is clearly what they do and what they were born to do. And uh, if you wanna hear some just genuine, bona fide uh, blues, check it out. Hill Country, blues show at Whitewater Tavern.
1: Blue show at Whitewater Town. cool.
0: This has been No Small Talk. I'm Stephanie Smiddle. I've been here with Omaya Jones. And catch us next week for a special guest.